Welcome to the Central Seminary Podcast. Thanks for joining us today as we discuss biblical and theological issues relating to life and ministry. This podcast is a ministry of Central Baptist Theological Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. To learn more about Central Seminary, visit our website at www.centralseminary.edu. My name is Jared, and I'll be your host. Welcome back to another episode of the Central Seminary Podcast. Today I have with us Dr. Vanessa Ellen, and you might know her last name from her husband, Nicholas, who is one of our professors. This is his wife, and she also has a PhD in biblical counseling, correct? Correct. The question I really want to know is, who had to hire GPA? But <laughs> I, won't, I won't make you embarrass your husband by asking you that on He probably on did. Air. <laughs> Uh, but you're going to be teaching for us. Yes. Uh, are you allowed to say what course? I think it's procedures and problems in counseling women. Great. And when is that coming? Next July, I believe. Okay. Awesome. So we have uh, Dr. Ellen, both doctor, doctors Ellen. Yeah. Uh, we have both uh, Vanessa and Nicholas on campus this week. And so we thought we'd sit down and do an interview with them. And I asked uh, Mrs. Dr. Ellen, what she'd want to talk about, and uh, she presented a topic, which we'll get to in a moment, but before that, maybe I could just ask, are there any books that you're reading or any books that you're excited about their release that you want to say, you should look this up? Yeah, so I just took our ladies group through a, um, a class, a book. Uh, it's um, Choosing Gratitude by Nancy Lee DeMoss Wagamuth, and I'm sure you can find that on Amazon. It was just an amazing study of how we are so quick to grumble and complain when we really should be choosing gratitude to be thankful in all things. So I'm kind of finishing that up. That was a heavy study for me. And also I'm reading one of my husband's books. Now he's going to kill me because I'm not going to get the name right. I think it's Idols of the Heart or something. It's something about idols. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should know the title. Yeah, I think it is Idols of the Heart. Yeah. And the subtitle is something about idolatrous lust. Yeah, it's idolatrous lust, yes. D- discerning. Uh, the things that you lust after, and you use various idols to get to it. And for me, that could be comfort or a lack of pain, you know, anything. So I've been going back and forth between those two books. And like I said, I think you can find both on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also his uh, website, mybiblicalcounselingcorner.com? Mybiblical, my there we go. All right. Great. Well, the topic we're going to talk about today is counseling someone through the loss of a loved one. And I I didn't tell Dr. Ellen this. I was excited when I saw this because this is something that applies to me. Uh, My brother, who was 24 at the time, seven Mm -hmm. years younger than me, I think it was about six years ago, he suddenly died. Wow. Um, Basically, he went out for a jog at night and they found him laying alongside of the trail. Um, And the best way to describe it, there was no reason except that the Lord took him home. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say because hopefully I can glean some from it, but counseling someone through loss of a loved one. Why don't we start out by why this is such an important topic and just kind of stating the obvious. Well, for me, it's important because in the last um, two years, I've buried three of my family members. I say I've now buried all of my grandmother's children. Uh, My mom passed away February 18th, uh, 2020. And then her brother died shortly right before her. And then my aunt passed this year. 
her, my mom's sister, uh, March 25th. So I feel like I've been burying my closest uh, loved ones constantly. So it is important because although you may be a strong believer, um, deep loss can set you a stumble. And you want to know how do I stay on course? How do I continue to serve and love and choose gratitude even in the midst of that? And so I think it's important because one, we need to be theologically rooted in what does death mean for the Christian? What does it look like in the aftermath? And we need to be able to encourage one another. Yeah, it's something that we can't escape. We all experience yeah. at some point uh, the close relatives, the aunts, uncles, grandparents, yeah. all those things. Yes. Uh, there, there's no escaping death. And that's, nope. that's the reality of life that gives us hope as a believer uh, and in our world today, for unbelievers, that's the reality they have to wrestle through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm curious, how have you seen grief or uh, loss of life counseling done uh, wrongly or poorly? Have, have you experienced that? Maybe something where you, you heard someone and you just kind of shook your head, oh, why did they say that? What's your observation yeah. from some of those? I think before... I, before my mom left this earth, I probably was one of those people. Like, you know, uh, I think I probably was one who said, oh, absent from the body is present with the Lord. And, you know, and these things are true, but I can remember it was three days um, after my mom passed and I still had not even buried her. And a good friend called me up and said, just remember, don't grieve as those who have no hope. Mm. I'm like, I haven't even buried her yet. Can I, can I get a minute? Can I cry a tear or two? Mm. I do think that uh, what we are doing is good. We're giving people the, the Bible, God's word to sustain them. But I also think Ecclesiastes is very important to consider. There's a time for everything. Yeah. So I think that right timing is what we do wrong. It's kind of like Job's friends before they started talking. You know, mm -hmm. they should have sat for a little while longer. I was talking with someone else and I called it the ministry of the sit. I think to do it poorly means to rush in, not even understanding what the needs are in the moment or or exactly where that person is in their grieving uh, experience and just offer biblical platitudes that may not even serve them best in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. And I've seen that. I've probably done some of those things. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember when I was pastoring, one thing I wrestled with specifically when there was a sudden or tragic loss yeah. of life. I always felt like I had to go in there and give people, yeah. you know, some words of right. encouragement, say the right thing, right. you know, to help them. And I, I eventually kind of backpedaled on that and came mm -hmm. to the point that said, look, if all I do is read them the holy words of scripture yeah. and pray with them, I've done far more than yes. anything I could come up with. That's right. That's right. But sometimes, although we, we know those cliche things, sometimes at the wrong time, they can yeah. be kind of insensitive. Oh, yeah. And that's what I think, if you're talking about what we're doing poorly as Christians, I think um, we're not letting our words be seasoned with grace for the moment, that it will edify the hearer. It's the right words. It's the true text. But at that moment, that hearer may not need to hear that. They may not need to hear anything other than, I love you, I'm here, if you need something, here's my number, call me. Yeah. And I, I think with that, as believers, some sometimes we've learned 
we lo- we've lost the art of learning to lament. Yes. And so like you're saying, just kind of sitting there yes. and uh, it's not wrong to lament. There's psalms about yeah. lament. Uh, there's there's a book. Uh, I'm not thinking of the title right now. Mark, uh, I can't pronounce his last name, okay. Trip or something yeah. like that. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Uh, about lamentations and just, uh, I can't even remember the name. I'll have to look it up afterwards, but okay. just talking about lament and goes through the lamp, lament psalms and talking about how sometimes we just need to spend some time there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe we're a little bit too quick to push those mm-hmm. who are suffering to move past that, yeah. and maybe we don't take the time to sit there with them. I agree. I do. And I think the author of the book mentioned about even the songs that we sing, go to the average church service. Do we really, do we have any songs? Yeah. That are songs of lamentation, yes, wrestling yes. with the tough stuff that God gives us. Yeah. And I think also it's examining the, the grief experience. If someone has like with your brother, just a sudden loss, they weren't expecting it, didn't know it was coming. You should be more gentle. I'm not saying that that hurts any more or less, but I think it's, counselors or or Christians, we need to analyze that person, who they are, how they receive love, you know, and and their situation. Was this a long-term experience where, you know, their grandmother had Alzheimer's and so she's been going through this, you knew it was coming. So they may be a little less in shock. Hmm. You know, they may be able to tolerate some of our, you know, biblical encouragement in the moment. Maybe not. It's assessing the situation, I think. Yeah, and I, I think that that reminds me of the passage. I think it's First Thessalonians five, where Paul talks about dealing with some various types of people. Yeah, and he talks about you know admonish the unruly, yes. support those who mm-hmm. are struggling, help the weak. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of use that as kind of a guideline. Think, okay, what type of person That's is right. this? Is this a weak person? Yeah, is this an unruly person? Right. And Maybe your approach isn't the same for each one of those. Who do I just need to put my arms around and uplift and say, I'm praying for you, brother. I'm praying for you, sister. Yeah, I think a lot of times we may be nervous. And so we say things, probably not intending to cause harm or offense, but we need to gather ourselves and, and stop. And as you say, analyze the situation before we just start speaking. Be slow to speak. I, uh, I think back to when my brother died, and one of the most meaningful things that the church did for us is there was a group, I can't remember now, two or three couples that just came over right away, and yeah. they just sat with us. Yeah. They didn't have any, or even try to give yeah. any great bits of wisdom. They sat with us. They prayed with yeah. us. That was so meaningful just to have someone share that. That's right. That's right. To know you're not alone in that moment. Now, some people probably prefer to be alone, and that goes back to knowing the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when you're working with somebody who lost a loved one, maybe it's a counseling type situation, or maybe it's just, you know, a discipleship. You're, you're not, you know, in the cl- in yeah. a counseling room, mm-hmm. but you're you're working with them. What what are some of the goals that you have for them as you walk with them through the process? Do you find yourself coming back to certain scripture passages or concepts? And even with that, is everyone's experience of grief the same or different? Yeah, uh, so I think that's maybe two questions, but I, I, I don't think that we grieve in the same way 
Um, it could be a close relative, so that might be different. A distant relative, that could be different. It could be the hopes of the relationship that you lost. Um, it could be an estranged dad and he passes away. And so now you're grieving the opportunity to have that relationship. I think we all go into this a little differently because we're human. We, we're different. But one of the counseling objectives I think will cross the boundaries for all of us is having a, a really good biblical view of death. Um, an understanding, and I, I don't think you rush in and offer this the day that the person passes away, you know. But but as time goes on, if the need arises, offering a biblical a biblical understanding of death for the Christian. Now, if their loved one was not a believer, it's a good opportunity to um, check those that are left behind. I say check their salvation and make sure that they are sure of that, and, and understanding that it's okay to grieve the loss. But, but death is a reality for all of us. So it's very important to develop a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ right now while you can. Mm-hmm. So that would be a good objective. I think another objective would be um, to make sure that they understand, as you mentioned earlier, grieving is a process. He says you can grieve, just don't grieve as those who have no hope. I would want to work with someone to understand what is your hope in? Because my father is really struggling. I believe he was living off of my mother's faith. Uh, I don't know that he has placed his faith in Jesus Christ. So he's, he's really struggling and grieving. So I'm trying to work with him on getting a, a personal relationship with Christ and, and hoping in him alone. His hope is all in his marriage that's gone. Yeah. Can, can you unpack that a little bit for us? As far as how, how you do that yeah. with an unbeliever. Yeah. Well, again, like I said, I'm not sure if he's a believer or not, but if I, I I'm t- approaching it as if he's not. Okay. So I'm talking to him about the goodness of God. First of all, you know, this was his wife. They were like uh, peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. <laughs> they went together, uh, acknowledging his loss, acknowledging his hurt, but also acknowledging that who God is, he's sovereign, he's loving, he's gentle, he's kind, and he never makes a mistake. So I've been taking the approach of teaching him the character of God and then coming around the back end and going, hey, do you really believe this? Have you ever really thought about what that means for you to trust this? So I started with who God is and and using it to say, he's not this mean, horrible, he didn't do this thing to your wife. This is a process. He actually healed her on the other side Mm. and just kind of just kind of helping him to kind of wrap his arms around what just happened from a biblical perspective yeah and that that can be so difficult especially maybe we have some listeners who are pastoring yeah and they get those calls and every once in a while and i'm sure you and your husband experience this call from a funeral home we have these people who don't have a church would you be willing to do this i remember one that I had to do one, one of the hardest ones I had to do was for a young couple, probably early twenties. Yeah. They had lost their three month old mm-hmm. child and sitting with them and going through and they had no church background. I mm. think a grandma had connection with our church or yeah. something from years ago, but no one was really connected and walking through the order of a funeral. Yeah. I'm not sure they had ever been to a funeral before. Wow. Uh, talking through them, you know, at this point, okay, um, 
do you want any music? Here's some ideas that the people usually have. Or, or here's where, you know, sometimes we use a scripture per mm-hmm. passage. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of a scripture passage yeah. that maybe you'd want us to read? And they had no clue. Right, right. And so I, you know, I suggested Psalm 23 or go. something like that. And so just, just trying to point them yeah. to there is hope, but understanding they might need to be led a little led bit. along the way. So hard. Yeah. My dad asked me, he said, how do you do it? How are you getting through this? I took it as a moment to tell him about my relationship with the Lord. And I just walked him through who God is to me and who he is and his character and that I love him and I trust him. So if I trust him with my life, salvation, why would I not trust him with my mom's life and what he decides? And who am I to choose what should or shouldn't happen with his stuff? You know, and he just got his eyes lit up and he was like, I never thought about God like that. So sometimes you don't have to like jump right in and give the gospel. Just say what God is and what he has done to you in your life. Yeah. And I I think that kind of goes with the next question. I kind of wanted to ask with kind of the personal experience. How important is it to connect that person with someone else who's gone through grief maybe an advocate in the counseling room, someone who can come and and walk through that process with them? Well, I always like to say God's word is true and uh, it's alive. It's a two-edged sword. It can apply to any situation. I don't have to have that same experience as my counselee in order to walk her through the scriptures. It can be helpful if God has allowed that. So if it's helpful to have someone resonate with them in that experience, then sure, why not? But as long as I'm going back to God and his saving power that is applicable to us all and the truth of his word, that I can do that as well. But, I, you know, there are times when people have been abused or, or have um, tough, tough moments. They want to hear someone else say, yeah, let me tell you how God got me through that. Mm. Yeah, I, I was there. I was there. And, and he brought me through. Great. Uh, I, I have a more, maybe a more technical okay. concept for you. Uh, and, and this is something that I encountered. My wife and I do foster care. Mm-hmm. And we've ended up adopting four kids through foster okay. care. And they talked with us in our training a lot about stages of grief. Okay. Do you think that's, uh, are, are there stages of grief? Is that a biblical concept? Is there some part of uh, the Bible that might connect with that? How would you think? about that uh, very, very secular concept. Is there some Bible behind that that we uh, can put, or is it just kind of out there? Well, so I would say yes and no. I do think this is a very psychological approach, and we've been taught this. Mm-hmm. We've probably heard this all our lives. The first stage is what, I can't even remember them now, denial, acceptance, bargaining, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. You know, um, I think as Christians— each one of us may go through grief differently. And I, I, I would suppose it's based on our spiritual maturity. What you put in will come out. I, I hide his word in my heart that I don't sin against him. That word comes up in trials and tribulations and it gets me through. So for me, um, going through this experience with my mother was rough, like having to bury your mother. I watched her die, watched her take her last breath. Um, the grief was real. The pain was real, but the not denial was not. It, I didn't have bargaining with God. I, I accept that this is what God has allowed. This is what he is choosing for her life. I can't change it. 
and I don't want to. This is his decision. So I don't think these stages are necessary. I think there may, when I say yes or no, I think there may be aspects that look like it because you have that, I just can't believe this just happened. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, but is that really denial? Now, there are sinful responses from Christians. We can deny, oh, no, that didn't happen. No, I'm not going to bury them because they're not really dead. Or I don't want to go to the funeral because then that makes it final. I think there are sinful responses that look like this psychological approach to grief. Yeah. And we need to work with each other to to counsel against that mm. or or walk them through that. Yeah, that that's helpful. As it was described to us in our training, it was described as as an elevator. Yeah. And it goes up and down mm-hmm. and sometimes you get off on different floors. And I, I think the way you described it is helpful that maybe it's not as much a stage of grief as it is a, a stage of processing and making sure yes. you don't develop that That's sinful right. response at different levels right. along the way. Which might be that grieving, leaning into that grieving as those who have no hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great. That's that's really helpful. When we think about uh, acknowledging loss and, and death and suffering, how can we prepare ourselves ahead of time to deal with those sort of things? And maybe we have a family, uh, kids who are older, or kids who are younger. How do we prepare them? Well, first, I'm back to salvation. I mean, we're all going to live eternally, heaven or hell. Where, where are you going to live? You know, I think we need to start now. All of our family and friends give them the gospel, share the truth, show them the way to a relationship with um with a saving God, you know, that's the most important thing because honestly, we don't know if we're going to die in this next moment. We don't know uh, what tomorrow holds. So I would say the way that we deal with it, first of all, is understanding that um, you need to have a right relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, because we all are going to die. This body is trying to get back to the ground as fast as it possibly can. And um, the next thing would be to talk to your family members. Now I'm on a practical side about your desires. Um, I don't want to be on a ventilator. I do want to be on a ventilator. You know, talk about where the insurance policies are. Talk about if there are no insurance policies. Those conversations of of leaving someone behind to deal with the aftermath when there have been no conversations at all can be very hard for your children. But sometimes we don't want to talk about it as if it's just not going to happen if I don't talk about it. Mm. So I think, yes, we need to talk about it. The other thing I think is for children, this is a part of a fallen world because of Adam and Eve's sin. What better way to take them to the gospel than to tell them, listen, death is a reality. Either it's eternal separation, which is what we were going to experience, but for the blood of Jesus Christ. And now we have this physical, however, we are eternally with him. It's a great chance to teach children about a relationship with God mm. and his plan, his ultimate plan for our lives. I, it seems to me Christians don't speak of death properly often enough. Yeah. Yep. I remember something that my parents did as I was a child is we always went to uh, funerals yeah. or, or if it was the uh, visitation the night before, maybe we couldn't make the funeral. But any anyone connected with our church, you know, some, uh, you know, our our Sunday school teacher that you know had taught for you know forty years or whatever. Yeah. Even as a child, we went to those funerals. Or my best friend as a child who lost his 
great grandpa. Wow. We went, and I remember just seeing the dead body in the casket, yeah. and just getting used to that. I'm not saying necessarily, you know, take your four year old, but right. you know, when we were eight, nine, ten, we would go to those. My dad or my mom would always have have us accompany them, and mm-hmm. we just kind of got used to it. And I think that created some space in our home yeah. to talk about right. it and so when it did happen to us even simple things like we knew what to expect right. when we met with the funeral director or when we had a That's funeral right. for a great grandma so-and-so mm-hmm. we knew there was going to be a casket and there was going to be a body and that that body represented that right. person but they're either you know up above or down below they're yeah. with the lord or they're uh you know someplace else and that was something for us and i think just kind of got us used to that I think that's important if you it have is children. Important. Yeah, I remember about five years ago, my aunt passed away, and uh, it was unique because my husband's grandmother died on a Wednesday. My aunt died on a Friday. Two weeks later, we buried them both on a Saturday morning. We had a funeral at 10, and then we turned around and had a funeral at 1. So wow. the kids were going through these two funerals back to back. My third grandson, he was probably about five at the time. He said uh, at the first funeral, when we walked away from the cemetery, as we were rushing back to the church to start the, the next funeral, he said, well, well, wait, are we, is she just going to stay there? Hmm. It, he looked at us like we really didn't know what we were doing. Like, you've gotten this wrong. What are you doing? You're leaving her there. And we explained to him, listen, that just represents the shell. She was a believer. She loves Christ. So we took him back and he I think for a moment at age five in that morning, he just looked at us like, yeah, I don't know if I believe you right now. We went through the second funeral. We went to the funeral. We went to the cemetery and we were leaving. He said the same thing. And he said, now wait, and we're going to leave her there also. It gave us great opportunities, even in the midst of our grief, to talk to them about, you know, this understanding of what actually happens to us when we die as Christians. How do you how do you help someone who's struggling with loss? But it, it's not just the loss that they're struggling with; it's the fact that their loved one was not a believer. Yeah, and they are, and you know that maybe they prayed for their loved one yeah. for years and they never turned to Christ. How do you help someone through something like that? Well, that's I don't think that I personally, you know, that's that's a spirit work that has to work within them because there may be. Uh, regret for not saying or sharing or doing what they thought they needed to do to point them to Christ. That's the regret they they just have to settle in with, talk to God about it if it's a sin issue, and, and leave it there. They can't change it now. The other thing is that understanding God's sovereignty and his choosing, take them to Romans and some for uh, honorable uh, and some for not honorable. And you know, I don't know that we're ever going to fully understand God's ways. His ways are, are different than ours. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But to comfort them, I would just take them back to understanding God's sovereignty. He's a loving God, and, and he never, ever, ever makes a mistake, even when it looks like something different should have happened. Yeah. Do you have any go-to resources that you give people struggling with grief and loss? Um, well, right now it's just been the Bible for me. I did write a book. It's coming out January, February, March, somewhere in there called Pinwheels and Powdered Donuts, Grief, Gain, and the Glory of God. Um, Cause when my mom passed away, the first thing I did was 
order all these books off of Amazon. And some were so heavy theologically that my heart just couldn't take it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I just can't do Greek right now. I just can't do (laughs) Hebrew right now. (laughs) And then some were really touching me, uh, meaning uh, ministering to my heart, but they were so theologically incorrect Mm -hmm. that that just was like, oh, I cannot ingest this right now. I wanted to get in the middle of the road, so I did write that book, and it'll be available in, in, like, first part of next year. But really for me, I have been settling in on just the I am's. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi. And just walking back through the Bible, I would point someone who's deep in grief to go back to who God is. Sometimes you just need to be reminded that he really is a loving God. This thing may feel like it was most unloving to have your family member snatched away from you. And in an instant for some, but he really is a loving God, even when you don't understand it, he is. Yeah. I always like to point people to the book of Lamentations, just how you can see the author walking through his lament and Mm -hmm. maybe give you some words that you didn't have, especially in chapter three, where he is in kind of a negative cycle, it seems, and God has, you know, shut me out. And in the middle, he remembers, middle chapter three, that, you know, God is my rock. I can trust in him. He's good. And kind of counsel ourselves through that. Yes. Uh, another another more of a, a resource that I've used is a book called Gospel Meditations for mm-hmm. the Hurting, mm-hmm. from Church Works Media. Uh, very simple, just some meditations paired with scripture. Uh, the Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent yeah. to help get your eyes back on where they should be. And if it's someone who was close to me, and I, I could afford to buy them this one because yeah. it's a more pricey one, Every Moment Holy, mm. it's uh, a book of, uh, they're called liturgies, not liturgies in the sense of like you would traditionally think, but basically some poems or poetic writings. Yeah. And there's one, uh, a book that's focused specifically on death and suffering. And mm-hmm. I've found that helpful for me when I don't have words to say. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, you want to pray and you, you just don't have the right words. Mm-hmm. That has helped us as well. And I know it's encouraged many. So. Yeah, now I read this book. I'm going to say the book, but I think a mature believer should should get into this book. It's one minute after you die. You may have some objections to the end of the book, but uh, the first half, he is just spot on in your grief. And, and really and truly, he's just giving you a theological view of what really happens after you die. Well, that was that was really helpful. Thank you for taking time to walk us through that. One question I like to close with is just to ask our guests if they have any works of God. They just want to say praise or shout out a hallelujah for something that he's done recently in your life or your family's life or your church's life. Well, I'll keep it in context with what we're speaking about. Um, my mother had bone cancer uh, that was uh, driven by lung cancer, and she went fairly quickly from November to February. She was gone. But I got to be the one to have those last moments with her. She was going through the agonal breathing. And then I just remember looking and watching those last breaths happen. And if you've, if you've walked someone through this last moment, that agonal breathing is, is very intense and it looks like a struggle. But right at the end, her face was all grimaced because of that type of breathing. Her face relaxed. She went into a smile and she just kind of nestled in and she took her last breath. You know what? I, I, I think God allowed that for me to know that there is dying grace. 
There was no struggle. There was no anything. She just crossed over. I think he did that for me so that in my grief that I could see that there's his grace is so sufficient even in dying. That was a mighty work that I thought I got to see God's hand cross my mom over in, in a peaceful manner. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And thanks for taking time to walk us through some of these concepts and helping us with that. No problem. Next time on the Central Seminary Podcast. If you're not doing those things, then whatever you try to do theologically is going to be perceived as something you're inflicting on the congregation. And, and most people don't like to take pills. I think I've come to, to view the church as a large ocean-going vessel on a vast sea requires a fair amount of time and distance to turn. It's kind of a unified approach with all of the ministries, ministry arms of the church. How we do things really needs to rest on, on a biblical basis. I think one of the difficulties here is uh, pastors are people too, and we have things we like and things we don't like. I think pastoral leadership is, uh, is an, an accrued capital. They're thinking in terms of what will work, or they're thinking in terms of what they like. I, I will not speak to anything that you have not addressed with your pastor. Leading a church theologically. I'm reading a Miss Marple mystery. Does that count? Careful spending of my leadership assets or capital. My impression is that the majority of the churches I've visited probably don't even think theologically when it comes to what they're actually doing in ministry. I think you're driving a wedge between two things that have to go together. Evangelical churches have a tendency to view theology as the preoccupation of ivory tower theorists. Look for our next episode on the Central Seminary Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Central Seminary Podcast. Our mission at Central Seminary is to assist New Testament churches in equipping spiritual leaders for Christ-exalting biblical ministry. Since its founding in 1956, Central Seminary has sought to provide serious students of God's Word with robust theological education as they prepare for ministry. We have many graduates around the world who are serving in countless ways to spread the gospel and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Find out more at our website, centralseminary.edu.